You are listening to episode 211 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and it's a pizza party, and every game's invited in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of the Cowabunga Collection on the PlayStation 5 for Ninja Turtles. Totally radical. Totally radical. Uh, I actually had been looking forward to this one for quite some time. And of course, Black Friday came about and 20 bucks at Target. So why not? Yeah, that's that's what I saw. We'll get into that and more pricing in the Inflation Deflation. But first, you can find this podcast on your favorite podcast application, the one you're listening to right now. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at The Game Deflators and on Twitter at Game Deflators. You can also find us on YouTube. Coincidentally, we've got older videos or really audio that's being put onto YouTube. So you can catch us there if that's you know what you prefer. And our out-of-date website, thegamedeflators.com. I love how I can just every week say out-of-date website. It'll get there one day. Isn't every website out-of-date? Uh, Unless you just updated it, but then it's out-of-date again. It is very much out-of-date. It's actually about as bad as what our YouTube was, but... Because on YouTube, I'm up to like episode 190 now uploaded, or at least in process of uploading. Uh, we'll be caught up pretty soon. And then like week to week, I'll just every week uploading a new episode, probably on, I'd say probably Mondays, like late afternoon Mondays, it'll be on YouTube. Cool. Um, and then obviously midnight on Mondays, technically midnight, uh, Monday mornings for a regular podcast. Um, so yeah. But the website itself is very much out of date. Like our inflation deflations are not plugged in. We got to put in like text, everything. Like it's it's got to be updated, but it'll get there. Well, to start off our episode, we will uh, talk about our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. So I, of course, picked up the Cowabunga Collection on PS5. That was 20 bucks. Uh, I also picked up a 3D printer. So Anycubic had their... Uh, mono 4k printer on sale is like 179 is what I bought it for uh, funny enough they actually put an, an additional discount directly on their website to make it 159 but I'd kind of rather purchase it from Amazon um, just because next day shipping on it and then also if anything happens I feel a little bit better about Amazon's customer service in any cubic because Amazon could just be like hey it's broken and no questions asked I'll do a return any cubic I feel like Having to go through customer service of the company directly, I might run into more issues, which is kind of interesting when you think about it that way. Uh, I also got Sackboy's Big Adventure as well. And, uh, John loves himself a Sackboy. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and then I also got um, a screen protector for my uh, printer. Uh, I got resin as well, like a eco resin and... Um, new resin FEP sheets. So that way, whenever this one goes bad, I'll just go ahead and plug in the new ones and I'll be okay. So uh, that's where we're at with that. Uh, currently playing uh, Claire. I played a little bit more of Claire. Uh, didn't get too far uh, in the actual like cafeteria area, but progressed a little bit. Uh, you know, I should have had a beat like honestly two weeks ago, but life, it's just what happens uh my wife and i did however finish beating crash bandicoot uh the first one on the trilogy so very excited about that i want to say i beat the trilogy or the first part of a trilogy 
few years back and just it's never hard. kind of, huh? It's hard. <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard. Um, but it had been a while since I actually played it. You know, I, I think I beat the first game out of the three. Well, out of the fourth now, um, a few years ago, but I, I don't remember. So it was fun to beat that again. Um, I did beat it when I was a kid, obviously. I never did. It was even harder back then. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, as a kid, dude, I would, like, go back and actually try to get all of the, like, secret things, oh, too. Oh, yeah. No, I never got, was one to get, like, all the boxes and the relics and all that stuff. Like, those games were challenging. I love Crash 3 just because, like, it gets so crazy and there's, like, all the different kind of, like, side play styles and stuff for the different mini games that was a fun one yeah i should no, go back to that one three was definitely a lot of fun so i don't know when she and i are gonna play the next one i mean we have so many games on our list but uh we ended up deciding to play moss yeah. on ps4 vr and dude that's super cool like it sucks that you have to hook up your dualshock 4 you can't just use a ps5 controller like you have to hook up the dualshock 4 because of like the light sensor on the front mm. um but it, it's a pretty interesting game in that it's got like you know, you play a little mouse that's kind of running around in this adventure and solving puzzles for the most part and then defeating certain enemies along the way as you fill in, like, the chapters of a story. And, uh, you know, we definitely enjoyed it. We played, I think, about halfway through it last night. We'll probably beat it today. And, um, you know, the whole concept of being able to, like, look around corners and nooks and crannies and, um, you know, being able to control, um, you know, obviously the motion control with, the DualShock itself, being able to grab enemies, grab items, peek around, uh, you know, just being in that environment is pretty awesome. So we're excited about that one. And uh, hopefully we'll finish that tonight and then we'll move on to the next game. The only qualm I have with VR is I do get a little motion sick still. Uh, so like Beat Saber, I have no problem. I won't get motion sick. And I think that's, for one thing, it's less like there's no horizon, Shade. really. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. It's just like things coming at you. Um, but Moss, it's like you just you have like the different things rendering and you have the textures and everything else is tied to it. I'm also sitting down when I play Moss, as whereas Beat Saber, I'm standing up and active. So I think that has something to do with it too. So I might start taking like some Dramamine when I play some VR and uh, we'll see how that goes. But dude, I've had motion sickness since I was like, a little kid mm. so well not a little kid probably about 10 or 12 is when i started developing it so it's getting it better go. i'm sure the psvr2 will have a lot more like anti whatever makes that happen stuff put into it i know that's something that they've been really working on i think in one of the early releases or something we read that was like a real priority for them yeah i mean i I can see where like maybe higher resolutions, better frame rates, that type of stuff will significantly help out with motion sickness. But, you know, for me, it's potentially, I wouldn't say a special case, but there's people that have active motion sickness that it doesn't matter. Like I could be in the back of a car and I'll get motion sick or I can be on like, like when you're actually in motion. Yes. <laughs> uh, like a boat, obviously like little things like that. So, but it's not like, I don't know, man, it's different. Like, when I was younger, I could go on roller coasters and all this other crazy stuff. And over time, it obviously developed to where now, like, any little bit of motion will make me sick. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious if, like, VR2 will actually kind of fix some of that. But it's doubtful just because if in, if in actual life I get motion sick off, like, a car and other things, what makes you think I'm going to play a racing game on VR and not get sick? Well, you're not actually in motion. I get it. But, like, just I, I don't even know that it's... 
it's more so when I'm looking out at things. So if yeah. I'm on a boat and I'm chilling out and I'm like, say my eyes closed, right? No issue. If I'm in a car, my eyes are closed, no issue. But the second I start looking at my surroundings, that's when I get sick. So I, I do question that when VR2 comes out and even just with this VR, I'm getting motion sick, not physically being in motion. It's so it's much so or more so like the movements and everything occurring on screen. So yeah. we'll see more to come on that whenever I get VR2. Uh, but did you pick up anything? No. No, nothing. No, no pickups this week. I've been playing uh, Pokemon Violet quite a bit. Not like all day, every day. I've been trying not to do that because I did have all week off. Uh, it was very lovely. Have they fixed any of the issues? No. Is it still bad? Yeah. So the thing is, I kind of don't care because it's really not that bad. Like, the thing is, it is bad. Like, it looks bad. The graphics are poor. They're low res. They're lazy. They're, it's definitely not, like, as well-crafted of a world as it could have been. Uh, it's definitely buggy, all that stuff. But, like, I had one crash and some slowdown. Like, one crash and some slowdown, like, that's really not a horrendous experience. And, oh, well, actually, you know, I guess I did have that, like, really glitchy moment with, like, the first Titan battle. But I haven't seen anything that egregiously bad again. So, for the most part, it's fine. I've been having a good time running around the world. Actually, this morning, I went to my first gym that I was underleveled for and lost to. So that was kind of nice to know that, like, even though I feel like I've been overpowered for a while, that, you know, I've been kind of not training as hard. So now I need to kind of be like, okay, well, I either need to go somewhere else or I need to just train around here and just uh, go up a couple levels with some guys. So it's fun that there is at least some challenge. Um, I was explaining some things to a friend yesterday. I think one of my biggest gripes about this game is the trainers in it are just kind of wasted potential. Like, they don't automatically engage you anymore. You have to go up and talk to them. Yeah. That's fine. Like, it stops you from, you know, being stopped. And it just, most of them have one Pokemon. And it's dumb. Like, if I wanted to fight one Pokemon, there's a million wild Pokemon around here. Like, what's the difference? Like, they're just like, you get more experience and you get some money. And if you beat enough of them in an area, some dude will give you a reward. Fine. But, like, mechanically, there's no difference between just fighting one Pokemon. So, like, I think at this point, that's something that they should focus on. It's like, okay... If there's just going to be Pokemon everywhere that you can see and run into, how are we going to make trainers different? Is that where we're going to do double battles? Are they going to do more interesting things like heal? Are they going to have like actually stronger Pokemon than the area that you're in? Because they're there training too. I don't know. Do something. So. Well it's I, just kind of lame. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, I actually went into a Nintendo group the other day and made some sort of snarky comments about Pokemon. And, dude, like, the amount of Pokemon fans that are just unbelievably blind to this game and, like, the issues that it has and are just like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's still fun. It's Pokemon. And, like, it's still going to sell millions of copies. So it doesn't matter regardless of what we say. It's like, no, like, if you were actively review bombing and, and doing all of these... So. 
dude, I mean, it helps. Or you just put your money where your mouth is, right? Like, don't buy the next one right away. Yeah. Like, just, that's not going to happen. You know, like, I get it. And that's the thing. And Nintendo knows that. They've so got you, us over a barrel here. Well, and that's the crazy thing is Nintendo knows that. And the fans just continue to buy into these, like, crazy trash games that just don't have like how do you not have voice acting that's always my biggest yeah. thing how do you not have voice acting in this day and age for your games like there's been voice acting in games for years it was on playstation 2 there was voice acting you like and it's not like it's a a low budget game that's not going to get a bunch of money it's not like they don't already have recordings of all of the pokemon from the anime that they could use that too like, like, you don't even have to re-record those lines. Like, you have every Pokemon saying its name. Yeah. Or, you know what? I should take it back. I said it's a low-budget game that's going to make a bunch... Of, that it's not a low-budget game that'll make a bunch of money, or won't make a bunch. It realistically should be, this is a game that's going to make a boatload of money, and they're making it low-budget. Like, just knowing that, hey, we're going to pump this garbage out, and everyone's going to buy, like, 10 million copies within the first three days. Yeah. Dude, they don't care. That's... 60 million dollars well and that's nothing compared to how much they make on the cards and the merchandise anyways so it's like it almost doesn't even matter to them actually my math was wrong that's not even 60 million that's 600 million dollars in overall i mean if you consider 60 bucks a game oh yeah yeah they're they're cleaning house and i mean that's not to mention how many people got the double pack which is always a mystery to me why people buy that i i never understand that either like you know, it, it's not like in today's day and age. You oh, can't it's go so good. It. I want to play it twice, but a little differently. Yeah. I just, no. it, that bugs me too. Just like put them all into one. But dude, they know that people are going to double dip on that mm-hmm. because, oh, it's Pokemon. It's super collectible. Like just don't support the stuff. Like, you know. Well, so that's the thing. Like it is bad. And I do get what you're saying with like how to, you know spend with your money and speak with your money but the thing is like in spite of those problems it's still the best pokemon game that i've played in a long time and i'm still enjoying it more than like let's go eevee and you know i think taking a break from it for so long having all the different pokemon in there that are new to me even though they're not new this generation is nice because like i'm i've got so many options like almost every pokemon that i have is like from this generation or one of the more recent ones. Like I'm not really using any of the old standbys, even though I see them all over the place. And, you know, the... I am disappointed in a few things that I learned this last week. Um, The clothing, you can't buy new clothes. You can only buy new accessories. Really? Yeah, you've got like four seasonal school uniforms Mm -hmm. so like pants shirt jacket all that that's just what it is you can buy socks shoes backpacks and gloves and hats so you know that's all right but there is like a lot of fun little options and you can like be kind of styling i guess uh i haven't really engaged much with the cooking mechanic because i just haven't really i think that it could help with some things i am liking all of my Team, I've got like a really interesting team. I've got a pillow sand, I've got or palo sand. It's like a sand castle ghost Pokemon. I've got a phalanx, which is like it looks like a whole bunch of like uh, like dig dug knights. <laughs> I don't know. It's like five little ball guys, all with like digital looking eyes that stand in a row, 
and make kind of like a centipede kind of thing. I got um, a snom. Uh, I got the fully evolved of the uh, what is it? Skelleridge. It's the Fuecoco evolution. Um, I've kind of got a rotating in uh, Doxbun, which is this cute dog that's like a baked good. Yeah. It evolves from Fido. I I like the Pokemon in this gen. Like, there's a lot of ones that are, like, there's finally a dolphin. How has there not been a dolphin for this long? You know, there's, like, uh, three different dogs in this one. I guess it's kind of leaning on doing a lot of dogs, but dogs are good. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's just not a lot of bonkers off-the-wall Pokemon that it's like, cool, two scoops of vanilla ice cream. The Pokemon. <laughs> You know, and people love to give, like, the designs crap, but I do like a lot of the designs in this. I do like running around the world, even though it's kind of lame. Like, there's not really much to do, but you're mostly going from place to place and catching and fighting Pokemon, and it's enough. Like, my biggest worry was, like, okay, in Zelda, when you're running around, like, there's lots of stuff you're doing. You're sliding on your shield. You're finding this. You're doing that. And, I mean, in this, you're really just kind of running around either fighting or avoiding Pokemon and picking up items that are dropped all over the damn place. There's just so many Pokeballs with just a little short stream of red light coming off of them that you're just like, to this one, to that one, to this one, to that one. So, like, I think that it's... But even, like, hearing that, just to me, is laziness, right? Like It's laziness, but it's better than just like, oh, here's Route 4, I guess I'll go straight this way for two minutes... Yeah, and I mean, then be there. I get it. Like that's the concept of like the open world aspect. But to just be like Pokeball here, Pokeball there. Let's throw a great ball over here. Hey, here's a random candy you can get. Oh, let's just attack these four trees to get nuts that you can put into like creating whatever potion. Like all of those things are just I don't know. There's just as much thought to it. And if you think about the overall concept of Pokemon, how much has changed? You're not outside. hitting trees and getting anything either. And this one, you don't get that. No, no, there's, so just, there's Ar- just like literally like how there were like Pokeballs on the ground for items. It's just that. See, Arceus, you could literally hit trees and you could get certain items off certain trees. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that right there is pure laziness. Like you already had it built in another game. And I, honestly, I felt that was great because like it gave me a reason to like go up and hit a tree. And some of those trees, if you hit them, a Pokemon would come out. Like certain types of Pokemon would come yeah. out of those trees. So yeah, I mean, this is just a lazy introduction to say... It's next next gen, I guess you can. Yeah, the next say. one hopefully will be better, and that's I think a feeling that a lot of people will get behind on this. And it's not to say like, you know, Breath of the Wild wasn't great. Breath of the Wild was awesome, but Breath of the Wild is such a good base to build off of, and this is a really good base again to build off. I feel like the Switch generation has been going on for a while. It's losing steam. It needs, you know some better hardware refresh or just a new one. And I think a lot of things that have been very successful on Switch hopefully will then have the headroom where they can just like really, really soar. But, but what, probably not Pokemon. It's probably going to be lame. bugs me about that argument is like Pokemon isn't exactly like the most technical revolutionary type yeah. of, you know, game out there. When you have 
you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild running on there, when you have uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, when you've got Ease yeah. 8 running on there, uh, Super Smash Bros. running a high quality, Mario Kart, like all of these games that, you know, I think from a graphical Look standpoint fantastic. are so much better than what Pokemon, like there's arguments that Pokemon looks like a PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. Like, really? Like, yeah. it, that should not even be the case. Yeah, like the texture, like tiling. Yeah. And you just look at a cliff face and it looks like it's made out of Legos because it's just it's the same repeating pattern over and over. Yeah, some guy on our Facebook the other day, I made a joke about like the PlayStation 2 graphics like, oh, you need glasses. I'm like, glasses aren't fixing this. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not going to help this game out uh, whatsoever. But, all right, enough about Pokemon because we yeah. can go on for hours yeah, in this crap. Sorry. So, I've been playing Pokemon. Pokemon's good. I built a heavy arms model for Gunpla. That was fun. Um, that's about all I did this week in any way people would care about. I went to White Castle for the first time. It was very meh. <laughs> uh, White Castle, I've been there one time. All right, so let's get into our little discussion segment that's technically part of a podcast, but not really gaming-related and gaming-related. Uh, so One Piece. I just got past, uh, or actually I'm in the Fishman Island arc area, uh, so you got Jinbei going with Horty and all these other characters. And, God, I think the last time I talked to you about it, I was just past the Battle of the Best, or War of the Best. And so the whole transition of, like, all of the characters growing, I guess that's the one issue I have. Now, how is it in the manga? Because I know you started the manga kind of earlier on than that. Do they, like, go into the two-year training period with them in the manga? Yeah. Like, but do they, like... Within the pages, like, within the anime itself, it goes from, like, all right, Luffy's going to this island, and he's going to go with Rayleigh, and he's going to train. And then they're like, two years happened, here's where we are now. Like, do they do that in the manga? Or does so, it, like, extensively go into each character's training? They don't extensively go in, but everybody gets, like, a bit. Kind of, like, montage So the anime doesn't show, like, anybody doing anything? So all they do is... They, I guess, kind of. I don't recall on everyone else. Like Luffy, yes, they do show some of that montagey aspect, but like, I would say, um, what's to say, Sanji, for example, like he's on the island, obviously, like the Trans Island, which is the most hilarious thing ever, just to see his transition there. Um, like they show him like getting ready to go or something um, initially, and then like that's it. Like, they don't go deep into detail. And then the anime, like, as they talk about it, they're like, you know, Sanji's like, oh, I just went through hell for two years in training. And then they have, like, one bit where they show him running away from all of the guys chasing him yeah, in dresses it probably, on the beach. It probably has, like, like, maybe, like, a half a chapter or something for, like, each person or something. And it shows kind of, like, Nami went trained with these, like, cloud sorcerer people and got like her new stick and like it shows you see like kind of what everybody was doing a little bit but it's not like a whole lot yeah and like they don't even show Usopp for example getting his new slingshot like at some point yeah Usopp's cool he goes to like this whole island with like giant insects and like learns how to use like all the native fauna and gets all this new cool ammo and stuff well so they show him like as big Usopp and like eating everything he can and like trying to escape he's like I gotta get off this island and that's really it and you don't really learn about 
his new special like exploding stars and whatnot that he has um until they go back to uh the archipelago area yeah i think it's i think it's mostly the same i think they probably like do about the same it's hard to say without having seen both either well and maybe they'll have flashbacks or something but uh, either way dude i'm thoroughly enjoying it i think it's pretty much my favorite anime ever at this point i cannot stop watching it i'm on episode like 555 or something right now which is stupid to think that just like three months ago i was you know starting it and here we are today at 550 something Mm. so definitely enjoying that and uh can't wait to see what else happens um and dude like they haven't even they've given glimpses of luffy's new powers at the hockey but they haven't really dove into it yeah a whole bunch like he hasn't had like that premiere battle where he needs to go off and so i'm excited to see what happens there so uh but anything from your end before we dive into this other piece we had listed out uh no no i haven't been reading any one piece for a while so i'm still still where i were well hopefully i uh i get you excited about it and then you you go ahead and start reading yeah i know that's zach keeps being like dude i need to talk to you about what's going on in one piece they're finally starting to actually reveal stuff and i'm like yeah i know i'll get there and that's on the manga right Mm -hmm. that part yeah see i'm not gonna be reading it i'll just be watching the anime uh all right so let's look at the golden joystick award winners of 2022 and so uh we'll just kind of give a little credit here games radar sam uh is that loveridge is what it looks like, or Loveridge? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. I need to, like, dude, I just got new contacts, and I still have trouble reading that. It's insane. Okay, so uh, we'll just dive in. We're not going to go into every single nominee. Uh, so, Ryan, if you want to hit the first five here. All right, so we've got uh, Best Storytelling, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Still Playing Award, Genshin Impact, Best Visual Design, Elden Ring, and Studio of the Year from Software. Uh, best game expansion cuphead the delicious last course do any of those surprise you um i guess that genshin impact is like the best game that people are still playing like i guess it's just because it's on mobile like i don't understand like i thought that would be like fortnite or final fantasy 14 or something like that well and like the not to go into all the nominees but like some of the nominees included minecraft and final fantasy apex legends is on there so i mean it's got some stiff competition so the fact that it it won is i I would say yeah it's kind of surprising and given the number of people that play those other games but yeah genshin impact apparently is pretty cool uh all right so i'll hit the next ones here uh let's see best early access launch slime rancher 2 best indie game cult of the lamb Best multiplayer game was Elden Ring. No surprise there. We're actually kind of surprised. And then best audio was Metal Hellsinger. That's one, two, three, four. And then uh, best game trailer, Goat Simulator 3. And honestly, I don't have any issue with that one winning best game trailer. Because that was actually pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Elden Ring multiplayer game? Is it? I mean, is that what most people bought Elden Ring for yeah. was for the multiplayer aspect? And that's kind of what gets me on that one. But when you look at what else was sitting there, you had Ninja Turtle, Shredder's Revenge, Multiversus, Splatoon 3, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and Lego Star Wars. Like, that's not a whole lot of competition to say. Like, if you're picking from that group and to say which one is going to be the better multiplayer experience, you might have an argument for Splatoon 3. 
But I mean, Elden Ring by far, just the interactions that you can have with different people on that game, I think is a little more superior. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's where I would stand on that one. So best game community, that does go to Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, best gaming hardware for the Steam Deck. Breakthrough Award, Vampire Survivors, hell yeah. Uh, Critics' Choice Award, Elden Ring. And Best Performer for Man Engage, uh, Marissa Marcel Immortality. So I'm guessing that's a game that they were in. Uh, I don't know who that is, to I don't be completely either. honest. but I don't know the name of the actor, the character, or the game. Yeah, uh, best gaming hardware, you know, that in particular does not surprise me that it was a Steam Deck, given the amount of things that people are able to do with that, such as, you know, making it a Switch for the most part and everything else that they can put on there. So uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, again, you know, just off that one, you had Playdate was in there, an analog pocket, and then like three random things that. I don't like the backbone one PlayStation edition. Like that's it. Like I would say steam deck hundred percent all day long wins yeah. that award. Uh, there's no denying that one. Um, all right, let's see what else we had here. Uh, Nintendo game of the year was Pokemon legends Arceus. You know, so it was funny when I was reading this list, when I got to that one, I was like, wait, Nintendo just gets their own game of the year category. And, he's, and, he's and then I the saw like, okay, everybody gets yeah. one. I was like, that's so dumb. PC Game of the Year was Return to Monkey Island. Uh, PlayStation Game of the Year is Stray. Xbox Game of the Year is Grounded. So, one, two, three, four. And then Most Wanted Game was Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I see no surprises there other than uh, maybe the PlayStation Game of the Year being Stray. Uh, and I'm going to say Monkey Island's weird because I know that there was a lot of backlash for like the art style and stuff, but people who were real monkey Island fans were like, no, this is still a really good game. And it does have a long storied history with the franchise, but like that's the best PC game of the year. Yeah. Is monkey Island. Like how many people played that? How many people were really dying for that? Like that's a niche title. That's not like Pokemon was for like, did it move units? Like, why is it game of the year? Yeah. Is it because, you know, it's the last, you know, in a 20, 30 year long line of games and the critics are really nostalgic for it? Like, what is Monkey Island bringing that no other PC game brought? Well, I mean, when you look at the PlayStation game of the year, you had Gran Turismo 7, which I wouldn't have chosen. But you had Horizon Forbidden West, which got best story. You had Elden Ring. You had Last of Us Part 1 and Sifu. So Elden Ring and Sifu are both on other consoles. Um, So I don't even know why they'd be on there for PlayStation Game of the Year. Last of Us is literally just a remake of a game that had won Game of the Year before. So, you know, when you kind of look at your choices, it it really is between Horizon and Stray. And people enjoyed Stray, apparently. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my copy from I Am 8-Bit. And if they were listening, I'd say hurry that crap up. Because, like... (laughs) The game's been out for forever, and I'm waiting for a Steelbook edition at this point. Like, it should have been done. Yeah. Um, I would say Grounded is a little weird on Xbox. Not that it's not, like, a good title, and Obsidian did put a lot of work into it. Like, it came out as, like, a a beta or, like, a green light game or something, and then kept getting developed and then finally fully released. And it does look interesting. It's definitely an interesting perspective game, but it does show that, like, you know, there wasn't a lot on Xbox this year if that is what's taking it. Yeah. 
Uh, Ultimate game of the year. You got this one. Uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Putting your uh, audio there, I see. Uh, so ultimate game of the year, we have Elden Ring as winner, and that uh, we'll just I'll quickly go over V's nominees. Uh, you had Gran Turismo Seven, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, Mario Rabbids, Spark of Hope, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, Teardown, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, Bayonetta Three, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, and Neon White. Neon White's actually on this list a few times, so I got to look into that. That's a pretty cool one. I played just a little bit at my friend's house, but it's like kind of like a Parkour, runner, card game. It's interesting. So I see no surprises of Elden Ring winning. I mean, it's critical success across multiple platforms. Um, there's tons of content out there. Uh, people enjoyed the game. It's got great reviews. I, I thought the game was pretty good. It's not my favorite in the Soul series. But uh, the one surprise I have is that it beat God of War Ragnarok. But... I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it just had been out longer since, what, March of this year? And God of War Ragnarok just came out. So, you know, when you kind of look at from a historical aspect this past year, I would put Elden Ring above God of War specifically on that. Like, to get game of the year when you're out in November? Like, come on. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me in that respect. I mean, it's the same year. Like, that's to say that, like, no game that comes out in November gets a chance just because it's the last month. Like, that's not fair either. Well, I mean, it's like they miss, they, they just hit the deadline. Well, yeah, you know, but like, th- that's the thing. Like, it's not, it was this the best game of the last eight months? Is this the best game that came out from this calendar date to this calendar date? I guess, but in that case, then, do the awards in january of the following year don't do it in the middle of november because then you're only having a small portion well of, because small, they but this is all marketing you're a marketing guy you yeah. gotta put all this out before the holidays so people know what to buy for christmas yeah doesn't do yeah. any good in january to do awards well then do a new holiday in january that's what greeting card companies are for um yeah or you know if that's the case do it in summer and review the prior year or something i don't know like there's other ways to kind of consider doing this i think it's fine well either way i think it's stupid to consider god of war in this one it's the same year like what so now it's a 2023 game i mean you just say 2022 awards or better yet instead they of are doing the 2022 it, awards well, no okay in like 2023 hosting 2022 is what i'm saying or better yet Host the damn awards on, like, I don't know, December 10th. Like, give Thanksgiving a break, and then it's like, cool, we have two weeks before Christmas. Well, we haven't, we haven't, don't have the game awards yet. That's the one everybody really cares about, anyways. I don't know, Golden Joystick's pretty cool. So, I think it kind of sets the tone for game awards. All right. Uh, all right, diving into our discussion this week. So, we're going to talk about the PS6 release date. Uh, we're going to talk about China and their gaming addiction being resolved. And these are all actually things we've talked about in the past, which is kind of cool. Uh, Fed's likely to fight. Yeah. (laughs) Fed's likely to fight the uh, purchase of Activision Blizzard. And I want to say that we're missing an article here that I sent you. No, that was the golden joystick one. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm an idiot, dude. That's all right. We all love you. Yeah. We all love me. So. PS6 release date will be after 2027, suggests Sony document. This is by Nick Tan at Yahoo Entertainment. And I'd like to say, sounds good. Now nobody else talk about it for four years. Let's move on. (laughs) I don't want to be caught in the same cycle where it's like, all right, baby, let's start talking about the next number in the order. 
for the next five years of speculation. I don't so, want to do it again. I didn't add this for that reason. I added it because there is a piece on here that is due to documentation as they're reviewing the Activision situation. Mm-hmm. That's why this has been yeah pulled I, in, basically. I, I kind of figured that. So they're thinking that, like... The timing-wise of the Activision Blizzard deal, if it goes through, is going to mean a lot less momentum for Sony come 2027. So I guess that's their time to say, all right, let's launch a new console, get everybody involved with us, and then next year, if there's not going to be a Call of Duty, we already got that first group of people. Yeah. Yeah, this is obviously very much way too early i guess right to talk ps6 uh but it is interesting to know that it will have a seven-year life cycle which kind of the ps5 will which stays in line with prior generations which we could kind of you know use general logic to understand that's most likely what it'd be anyways uh but let me dive into the feds article here because that is a tie-in for that first one so report uh feds likely to fight the microsoft activision um merger, I guess, uh, or purchase. And there's an update on this one as well. But this is Kotaku, Luke Plunkett. And, uh, you know, really, the thing that I found interesting, we've kind of talked about this, is different governments around the world have kind of been leaning towards the fact of blocking this. And while we've kind of discussed, like, yeah, it's probably going to happen anyways, we have had that idea in the back of our minds, too, as we've talked about the whole acquisition that, Microsoft could potentially have this blocked. And it seems like there's more and more fight occurring amongst multiple governments at this point around the world to say, yeah, this actually is a disservice to the gaming industry and puts less options available for folks. And even Google uh, is referenced in here as saying that they've already seen issues with Microsoft moving people towards their you know, Game Pass and hardware and other aspects and making it harder for people to play Game Pass like on the Google you know, platforms. So I do think that, you know, I'm going to kind of stick to my guns here, but this is of course terrible for the gaming industry for Activision to be purchased by them. I would honestly like to see something along the lines of multiple companies coming in and putting a piece into the pie. So like Sony buys a certain amount, Microsoft, Nintendo, like all of these companies coming in and buying a piece of Activision and sharing that particular uh, organization and then still allowing for it to happen in some way, or at least like I don't know, a purchase of all the assets. There's got to be a better way to do this um, than what they are what they have going on right now. I don't know. I think it's like, <laughs> there's just so much BS that's like so much bigger than this. And, you know, Sony's doing their damnedest to try to make this seem like the end of the world and like it's going to stop everything. But I just think that the gaming landscape is still just so rapidly changing. Who knows what the world's going to be like in 10 years. And if like, you know, Call of Duty has been a big smash hit for a long time. Is it going to be like Mario where it's just going to be evergreen? There's always going to be Call of Duty because there's been other series like, I mean, even Halo, nobody really writes home about anymore. Yeah, well, so, like Assassin's Creed is another one. Assassin's Creed has been out since the PlayStation 3 and was initially going to be exclusive to PlayStation 3. Uh, and even that, it's, yeah, it sells millions of copies every year. Is yeah. it something that people talk about? Kind of. It's not like the new God of War where, like, every four years you're getting a new God of War game. Yeah, and it's it's always, like, the best seller. Like, it is a lot of money to lose out on. It is a lot of, you know, power to give the competition, 
But like at the end of the day, I think that it's not going to change enough for the worse just because like putting things on Game Pass is how you get Sony to make anybody, you know, have to care to up their own game. Sony would have been just fine to let PlayStation Now and PS Plus be two separate floundering things that like aren't floundering because they're actually more successful number-wise than Game Pass is and have more people. So it's like, who, like, I guess more people would go just get the game on Game Pass and wouldn't want to buy it on PlayStation. So they're looking at like, okay, are people going to get this one game that they get every year, spend $60 on our platform, or just get it from Xbox? That's ultimately the biggest argument that they have in all of this. Like there's other stuff about like, how Microsoft wants to get in with mobile, with King, and all that stuff. And then, like, getting access to all the Blizzard IPs is huge. But mostly everybody's just talking about Call of Duty. And I don't see them just making that available for free on Game Pass. Or you can get the exact same game and pay $60 for it on PlayStation. I don't think that's the future that's going to destroy gaming. Well, And that's really what Microsoft is trying to paint this is how it will be. And, you know, they're probably lying, too. Like, nothing's going to be right in the middle. But, like, if that is the achievable goal, just get it on Game Pass and let people buy it for full price on other consoles, fine. Do it. That's not a big deal to me. Well, so, like, I think they're already on record saying that the new Elder Scrolls game is going to be exclusive to Microsoft. So, you know, when you consider that there's other franchises that are out there like Bethesda's obviously not But if they can just that, wriggle but... the deal out to just be like, "Hey, we get everything, but Call of Duty has to stay on everything else." That's a signed deal. Microsoft should and would take that deal. But see, Microsoft doesn't need to do that. They don't have to deal. And that's that's the issue that people have is like, you know, Microsoft could just say, "Yeah, it's going to be on PlayStation for the foreseeable future." And then get that out and then that's it, right? So, I think really what we're looking at is it's going to be an issue. And if you consider things like MLB The Show, MLB came out and said, you can't have that Sony on just your console. It has to be on you know, multiple consoles. There's regulation tied to that. Like if Sony went out and said, we're going to purchase EA, there's no way the NFL says, yep, cool, you can have it on PlayStation consoles only. Because they know there's a huge chunk of money missing from the, the Xbox side of things and the, the profitability that comes from that. So whereas Microsoft, like I get it and I totally agree. Like it's a dumb move to say, we're going to keep Call of Duty and all of these other titles specifically on our console, but they're already doing it with Elder Scrolls. They're going to do it with Fallout. They're going to do it with other games through the Bethesda acquisition. So I I can totally see them doing well, that with... they're going to, but like yeah. that's the thing. We still don't live in a world where that's happened. And like Elder Scrolls was already like a niche game. Yeah. So like the fact that everybody that played Elder Scrolls on... PlayStation, if they want to play it, now they have to play on an Xbox. Well, guess what? So does everybody that wants to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Well, There's lots of stuff that you can only play on PlayStation that isn't a first-party PlayStation game. And it's like, well, guess what? Nobody's crying that I got to go buy a PS5 to do that. Well, And it's more expensive to buy a PS5. And it has less stuff that Xbox comes with with, like, Game Pass. Like you're they're the ones who have the inferior product and are trying to stifle competition 
Well, if you consider Sony, though, they're paying for timed exclusivity. They're not necessarily paying for purely exclusive on their console. So that that's the thing. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if they said, oh, Call of Duty is going to be on the Xbox for year one, and then it's going to be released on PlayStation. And honestly, they may do that. That would actually be the smarter move to say, look, yeah, Call of Duty is on here for one year exclusive, and we're going to go ahead and put it on PlayStation. Because that at least funnels more people over to Xbox. I don't know. Pass. With, like like microtransactions and stuff because you'll be halfway to the next call of duty you're going to miss out on a whole year of people microtransacting but right is, at the launch but how is microsoft going to clean up internally are they going to release a call of duty every year or are they going to continue to support a call of duty over the course of two or three years and make sure development wise they can get the next best product I mean, if out? they own the call of duty they're going to make more money than they made before on call of duty well you know if you consider halo i don't think they release a halo game every single year no, they might release it every couple of years. So can you see Call of Duty going at that route? Like support Call of Duty, have microtransactions, put it on other consoles after six months instead of a year. You know, like, yeah, I can see Microsoft taking that approach with this. And honestly, that may be the way to like, you know, kind of keep these governments at bay to say, no, we're going to do just timed exclusive for like some of these bigger titles. We're going to keep some of the smaller stuff in house, but the big stuff like Call of Duty and all that, we're going to go ahead and release on multiple consoles over a period of time. Yeah. So. I guess it's looking less and less likely that this is going to happen the longer it gets stretched out. So, you know, something that I think that we all kind of thought at face originally was like, well, here's just another acquisition that's going to happen like all the other ones have is actually putting up a lot more resistance. So we'll have to just keep following that and see. But again, another thing that it's like, when will this story die? Yeah, it won't. Followed by another one. This one we talked about, like, honestly, two years ago we talked about yeah. this. So, uh, China claims that youth gaming addiction has been resolved. And yep. This is uh, Tom Singleton at BBC. So, <laughs> God, I hate that. Uh, it's kind of a short summation of a few different points in the article. But basically, a few years ago, China passed a law to try to restrict how much gaming time kids had. It was like four hours a week or one hour a day or something, some arbitrary whatever number. But, uh, you know, just like a lot of things, China said, you know what, hey, let's make this a law. And then, wow, you know, they just fixed the problem. Imagine that. They just said that there was a problem and they fixed it. And now the problem's gone because they enforced regulations on everybody's lives. Kind of how COVID's going over there. <laughs> There's zero policies. I don't know if you saw There's that. There's no problems. Yeah, they have protests. We solved actually. that, dude. They've got protests happening over there right now because of all the crazy lockdowns. So the Foxconn plants. Well, so my my friend um, was actually living in China for about four years. Yeah, about four years, and uh, he said that like, say for example, you caught COVID and you were my neighbor, that entire block gets locked down. Like everything else is normal, but your like apartment complex is locked down and you can't leave because mm -hmm. of their zero policy. So you'll have like, you know, we're in our apartment, we're quarantined for two weeks. Nobody has COVID. Go about our day. Literally four days later, somebody gets COVID. Guess what, Ryan? We're locked down again. And they're do that's been like that. So he actually left China because of that. So um, this one in particular, I, I just can't see this gaming addiction resolved after two years. Um, Especially during COVID when everybody was locked down. I mean, it says in the article, like, parents were just like, you use my code, kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they were just trying to help out and, you know, 
their kids could play their games and, and that's it. And just to be able to cure boredom, essentially. Uh, and they, they link a whole bunch of things like mental health and sleep deprivation and that it, awareness. Like it, it hurts with awareness to play games and all these other things. Whereas they also mentioned that there's elderly people in China that are actively using it to connect with their grandkids. Yeah. Which is actually pretty cool because like from a motor skill standpoint and, you know, uh, really just kind of keeping the brain fresh, like it actually helps. Um to have his older folks playing these games so it's uh it's definitely an interesting like it's propaganda conclusion to what happened a few years ago and what we were discussing and uh you know one other thing they noted here was that like they're i forget the name of the program but it's basically china's version of tiktok they said that kids are only allowed to use the program for like 40 minutes a day gosh like that's it when i read that i was like you know all regulation isn't bad <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I wish I could regulate that here. The mm-hmm. amount of stupid TikTok videos that come up. Uh, but I do think it's interesting, all in all, you know, to say that they're that the uh, gaming addiction is resolved. I I think we'll probably hear more about this in the Time next will year. Tell. Yeah, the next year I think we're gonna hear China has you know gaming addiction has come up in spurts <laughs> all across the country and that are locking down video games once again. So uh, yeah, good good article to go check out. But let's dive into our inflation deflation segment of this week, which is the TMNT Cowabunga Collection. It was developed by Digital Eclipse, published by Konami, released in August of 2022. Uh, gaming type, I would say it's more of a beat 'em up, but uh, collection. And uh, reception is a seven to nine out of ten. Um, Dude, I when this came out, it was obviously on my radar. It was on your radar. I think I sent you a text immediately when it came out to say how excited I was to see all of these games on one console. And uh, the one thing I didn't like is that Tournament Fighters is on here like four times. Like they have the Genesis, Super Nintendo, and Nintendo releases on there. So kind of odd, but I'm sure each of those games has their like own respective um, you know, pros and cons as to why you would put them on there. But I really enjoyed, you know, the the comic artwork that's in there. Uh, they have like a turtle layer where you can see comic artwork, advertisements. Uh, you can see still images from the TV show. Um, there's music, so different soundtrack audio that you can kind of go through and play. So it's actually a pretty cool like historical aspect of the Ninja Turtles and diving into that. And then, of course, there's like 10 games, I think, on there. So, yeah, there's... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, the arcade, uh, Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for NES, uh, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Follow the Foot Plan for Game Boy, uh, Turtles in Time for the arcade, uh, Turtles 2 Back from the Sewers for Game Boy, uh, Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project for NES, uh, Turtles 4, Turtles in Time for the SNES, uh, Hyperstone Heist for Sega Genesis, Turtles 3 Radical Rescue for Game Boy, and then, yeah, three copies of Tournament Fighters for SNES, Genesis, and NES. So, obviously, quite a few games on there, and yeah, uh, some of which are it's pricey. A, it's a good collection. It's a lot of Turtles uh, going through the menu, all the stuff you were talking about with, like, the comics and, like, the screenshots and all that. That's, like, this is a great Turtle nostalgia bundle for anybody that's like a classic turtles fan there's something there to be like oh yeah hell yeah yeah i um you know i was actually quite surprised when i saw all of that 
Um, the audio, I think, was the coolest part. Just being able to, to dive into like the different songs. It's because we were disappointed. Like we saw like the comic thing, and it was like one to eight, ten to sixteen, and it's like, oh shit, are these like full issues? <laughs> and you open it, it's just like the cover art, but it's still cool. I like the box scans too. Like it's not just like the artwork of the box; it's like the, the actual scan. box. Yeah. I was disappointed, dude, like, this could have been so much more if they had, like, the rights to the TV show on here and were able to put That'd in, be like... too much. Dude, I would love to have, like, all of those seasons. Like, I open up, I'm like, oh, man, there's no way they have all the seasons. I would say the intro video. They kind of that had... That would be cool. ...somewhat of an intro video um, in the beginning. I mean, for the show. Yeah, yeah. That'd be At least, cool. like, a trailer for it or a sizzle reel. Well, and that's what I thought when it had the seasons. I thought we were going to get, like, a trailer video. Just screenshots. And just screenshots, yeah. Which is still cool, but, you know, a little lackluster. Uh, but we played um, Fall of a Foot Clan, which is a Game Boy game. Uh, you know, I actually own this on the Game Boy, so maybe down the road we can do a comparison. Um, but I, I had fun with it to be completely honest um you know i felt that it controlled very well uh for what we were doing and my the sounds were good the sounds were good yeah and my control and the music probably controls less on a game boy or, or worse i should yeah. say um then sound probably we were playing on ps5 did we already mention that uh i mentioned that i purchased on ps5 so i okay. think the assumption would be there uh, but yeah, so we played on PS5, and I, I enjoyed Fall of Foot Clan. We obviously didn't, I think we got past the first boss, uh, and that was about it. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a Game Boy game. They're a little more difficult to play sometimes. and uh, It was having, a tough game. And having never played it before, limited mobility with the character, because obviously it's a Game Boy game, so you're not going to be doing crazy jumps the and movement. The jump was actually pretty good. Jump was good, but your speed as a character, you're kind of chugging along. Yeah. So that wasn't too great. Uh, but I think the weapons were great. Obviously, you can make out from a graphic standpoint who each respective turtle was, which was badass. And then the different enemies, like you could totally tell that they were Foot Clan soldiers and all that. So... I liked it. It kind of has the effect. So, like, being a beat-em-up on the Game Boy with, like, the huge sprites and the limited screen size, it kind of has that effect of, like, like instead of in a beat-em-up where it's like, okay, here's a whole, stream, or a whole scene with, like, a street and, you know, the guy's walking in from off the edge or whatever, this really has the feeling of more like you're in the center of the screen trying to, like, you know do some light platforming through the level and things just coming at you as you're in the middle of the screen and you just have to like defend yourself like fruit ninja style by just like turning and facing and attacking because like there's not a lot of lead in or like there's no dimensionality or anything. It's just kind of like coming at you and react. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, I don't know, something about trying to have a game boy in my hand, but holding a PS five controller like, I know it's only these two buttons, and I know every time I hit this one, the guy jumps. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like, as soon as that next car tries to attack me, I'm going to hit the attack button instead of the jump button again. So, let's go into, for Fall of the Clan of Brass Tacks and that, it was developed by Konami, it was published by Ultra Games, it was directed by Naoki Matsui, it was released in August of 1990, and it's an action platformer. Uh, you don't have reception here, so It wasn't listed. Yeah. Uh, but it had multiple releases, uh, or not multiple releases, just had the one on Game Boy. So you can throw down the pricing here, unless you don't have it on hand. No, so I, I was going to kind of do it different, but that's fine. So yeah, uh, loose for that would run you about $13.84. Uh, that peaked at about $15.25 back in April, and that's down now. 
and then peaked, uh, like you said, in April. And then uh, our rating, I guess, for this, mm, I honestly, I think. At, well, let's just talk about the collection later. We're not rating just the individual. Well, I mean, from a, a standpoint of like, you know, out of a one out of ten rating on this game, we never do that. Yeah, we do. I do it every single week. I do it. I would say a seven on this one. You're not going to answer me, Ryan. He's like, I'm not going to give a rating. I mean, a rating, like, we played, like, one level of it. It's okay. Yeah, that's why I give it a seven. I would keep going. Okay. The other game we played was Hyperstone Heist, uh, developed by Konami, published by Konami. Uh, nobody directed it. I'm just kidding. I couldn't find a director's <laughs> name, honestly. No, that's fine. Uh, released in December of 1992, and uh, it is also an action platformer type game. Uh, reception on that was around a 7 to an 8, which I highly disagree with. And uh, pricing-wise? Oh, uh, so loose for the Genesis. This will run you 78.80. Peaked at 108.38 back in February of 22. I mean, Hyperstone Heist was a lot better of a game. Uh, we have played this before in the past on a very old episode of the Game Deflators. That's why I didn't want to get too much into like in the weeds on this one because we have played it before, so you can totally catch our full like thoughts on that game. It was a, it was probably honestly like our first ever triple threat showdown that we did or throwdown without having called it that. And we did a Street Fighter or not Street Fighter, sorry, we did a Streets of Rage, we did this game, and then we did like a, a mech game, uh, Forgotten Worlds, I think it was. Mm, yeah, that sounds you remember familiar that now? now. Yeah. Yeah. So we did all three of those and we kind of talked about all three of the games. And this is obviously a, a, from a nostalgia standpoint. That's why I say seven out of eight is not the review I'd give. I'm more on like a nine to a 10 uh, because there's a lot of nostalgia here for me on this game. But it's got every element that you could want in a Ninja Turtles game. It covers pretty much the arcade experience that you would get at the arcade and then puts it onto a console. So I love this game and a full-blown discussion that we had back on that episode. I don't remember which episode it was, but, you know, look at our backlog. Yeah. Hyperstone Heist is a lot of fun. I really played more Turtles in Time growing up because I was not a Genesis kid. And it's like, I want to do like the grabs and stuff, but, you know, it's exactly like you said. It's everything you want from a Turtles game. It's got... Great music. Uh, it's got you know fun, snappy combat. The you know animations are great. The like even the like bitty sound of like the cowabunga and stuff like that is great. Or even like my toe, my toe. Yeah, yeah. Like, little things like that. Yeah, I. It's the turtles is such an imaginative world, and it really lends itself well to video games. Like nobody questions like why they everybody's got hoverboards now sweet man of course they do yeah rocking all right so ryan one out of ten uh it's great i hate you <laughs> okay so let's look at brass tacks in the collection so you know and i know you probably had something different in your mind on how we would do this um so looking at those two games you know you've got uh, the one game Ryan mentioned, Loose is running you 78.80, and then you've got a loose copy on Game Boy for 13.84. So that right there is uh, 90, a little over 92 dollars in two games that are loose. Yeah. So brass tax on the game itself for the collection, go on. 
Uh, so complete inbox right now, that's running 32.87. That peaked at 33.99 back in September 22, right after it came out. That's pretty much holding now. So is the loose. That's at 31.05, down from 33.29 in September 22. Uh, the most expensive version for this game uh, is $140.79. That's going to be for the Series X limited edition, which that was a pretty cool limited edition for this one. I was kind of... I think I sent you a thing of the limited edition one when it came out, wondering if you were going to get it. Or that might have been the Shredder one. I don't know. I, I was considering both, <laughs> to be completely honest. Uh, the cheapest version, that's going to be twenty two ninety five for the PAL Series X. Although, right now, as advertised online, and like John said, you could get this pretty much anywhere for 20 bucks on whatever console... Uh, for Black Friday sale, it's still going on well, from what I saw online today. Cyber Monday and all yeah. that, which will be tomorrow. Uh, but normally, digital on console, this is like 40 bucks on Switch and uh, digital on PC. I saw this for $39.99 on Steam. Uh, that's also marked down 30% right now to $27.99. So that's a lot of numbers. Uh, but if you hear this podcast, run to the store and buy it for $20 while you can. Yeah, I mean, this is completely deflated in price in my opinion i mean you've got 92 bucks in just those two games alone if you consider the cost of like tournament fighters on the nes and then just the other tournament fighters and the manhattan project and all that, i mean you're talking hundreds of dollars in video games that you're getting for 20 bucks and now i know you could say the argument is well you could just emulate it um and that's true but but not all in one place it, well i mean technically you can <laughs> you can put it on your pc yeah but Everything else you get with it, though, is super cool. You know, having the layer component, having the audio that you can just kind of flip through really quickly. Um, I would buy this on Switch if I was going to get this because of the portable nature. And a lot of these games are probably pretty good in portable mode, these types of games. And then also the inherent two-player nature of the Switch. Like, this would be a great game to actually sit down and do like the tabletop two-player mode with yeah bright big sprites you know lots of clear action like that's a good thing that you could do with somebody else pretty easy and fun yeah well so our overall review on this game is going to be deflated it's Uh, great so it is uh, definitely one to pick up it's a fantastic game uh okay ryan so um you know i know you just said it's great but one out of ten uh like a like an eight an eight for the whole thing? Yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> I hate you so much sometimes. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have to look at what we play next week. We never have it kind of in our head. I think I told you Cowabunga Collection like last night yeah. before recording, so that's usually how it goes down. Hey, maybe um, you'll pick up something good this week. Well, I mean, you're rec- we're recording virtually next week, so... Well, it'll, still, it'll probably be a PlayStation. Maybe it'll be something that I also have. PlayStation 1 game, probably. Right. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, well, this has been episode 211 of the Game Players Podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>